Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome to the Pocket Limp Podcast. I'm Rick Henderson and I'll be your host this week as we look at key new products, technologies and interview a true wizard of music mixing and surround sound mastery. We'll be reviewing the Sony ZV-1, a compact camera designed for much more than taking decent stills with its 4K 30fps video recording and in-camera processing abilities. I'll also be chatting with renowned music producer and sound experience lead of Sonos, Charles Martin, about the forthcoming Sonos Arc soundbar and Dolby Atmos in general. But first, Sky added HDR to its SkyQ system this week, after a year or so of teasing its arrival. Pocket Lint's associate editor Dan Grabham joins me now to discuss the expanded picture format and its implementation on Sky's satellite TV service. So Dan, Sky HDR, how big a deal is this? Well, I think it's quite a big deal actually, Rick. I mean, we've been waiting for it for quite a while. Um, obviously, HDR has been available on other services previously. Um, it's sort of um, quite a, quite an early stage uh, for this for Sky though they're only it's only coming to a sort of a select a bit of content on Sky Nature I think three different series um, and really we're going to have to wait um, until sort of late in the year for it to come to uh, movies and next year for sport for the Olympics and also um, uh, for Sky's own sport so but it is it is a big deal for Sky definitely. And for those who don't actually know, um, what format is it in and what um, what does that essentially mean for people that have to have a compatible TV? Yeah, so it's it it, it uses HLG, which is hybrid log gamma, and um, that's only going to be um, selected HDR TVs, basically. So you do need to make sure that your TV is compatible with it. Um, there's a, there's other caveats as well um, with the with with sky bringing hdr to sky q and that is that the very early adopters who got sky q originally um can't get it on their boxes it's only for sort of uh, a second generation and later if you like of boxes although it's it's more specific than that there's actually sort of product codes that sky have provided that it's not compatible with so there's a there's a few caveats there and you do need you, you know you do need the right setup to get it yeah, we've actually um, published a list of the compatible boxes on um, pocketlink.com. You can actually check that out. Um, it, uh, basically, you have to go into your settings, go into system info, go into hardware version and check if your box is available. Um, if you have a box, I know this off by heart, if you have a box that starts with the model number 32B0, you definitely won't be able to get it. And that was, I think, the first batch of Sky Q boxes that went out. Yeah, and that's both our boxes, isn't it? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, and both of us got it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, really, because, you know, obviously that it does affect those early adopters. And, and 
you know, those are the people that actually you know, went to buy SkyQ in the in, in the first place and and sort of waited for it. And it does feel a a, a, a bit sad that those customers aren't being catered for at the moment although we believe that they will offer a box upgrade in future don't we yeah well seemingly you found on twitter um a uh, sky support actually telling someone that there is a possibility that in the coming months they will replace people's sky q boxes so that they can get hdr if they want it yeah and i think that i think that has to happen doesn't it because otherwise uh, you know, you risk alienating as a, as a business, you risk alienating those people that actually actually are paying quite a bit for your product and have done since the very beginning. Um, I think that's a bit of a no brainer for Sky really. Of course, the, the disadvantage of getting a new box is always the content that you've got on your old box, which is, you know, quite an annoying process to go through. There's that. And also the fact that um, as far as I remember, uh, unlike a SkyQ mini box, you absolutely have to have a SkyQ box installed. You can't just have one sent out to you and then replace it. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, because um, yeah, they need to they they need to come out, don't, don't they? To you, yes, I remember that. Um, one one interesting thing I, I think Rick is the the sport implication for this because obviously we've seen HDR on 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 sport from from BT. Um, we're obviously looking forward to the Olympics and we believe that they're, they're, they're going to um, partner with the BBC to get um, HDR content onto, onto, onto the SkyQ platform through that. I mean, how important do we think that sport is going to be on an ongoing basis? Oh, superb. Um, I've been watching uh, some of the Champions League. Well, I, I did watch some of the Champions League <laughs> in um, on BT Sport Ultimate on the Xbox One. And that was presented in 4K and HDR, some of the matches anyway. And it looks totally different. It's a different experience. It really is. It's very, very much like you're looking through a window at the stadium because of the the colour field is so much more natural. Um, And I'm a big believer that HDR is even more important than 4K in the fact that it's a real game changer in the ter- in terms of what you see within a picture and the de- and uh, and the sort of like the difference between the, the contrast between light and brightness and sh- and shadowy sections so for football for example it makes the pitch just look much more like it's actually there it may it, i tend to find that on a non hdr set after seeing the hdr that the pitch looks a lot more like a flat green background rather than a, a detailed 3d representation whereas on hdr footage it looks much more real and that will be the key for sky to do is to get premier league in hdr as soon as possible unfortunately from the announcement considering that they said that the first sport to come to the platform will be the bbc's tokyo olympics coverage and considering that doesn't start until next july thanks to the postponement it means that we certainly won't see next season of the of the Premier League in HDR. It'll pro- possibly uh, even be sort of like just for the for the following season, i.e., end of two twenty twenty one. Mind you, we might not see any football until then, anyway. Well, that's true. I mean, that, presumably they'll deliver that through through iPlayer and through uh, downloads to the box through iPlayer that you can get you can get on SkyQ now. Yeah, I, I think actually Virgin Media. Um, did a deal with uh, BBC iPlayer previously to be able to show HLG footage through iPlayer. 
So, um, so I would imagine that it's exactly the same for Sky to do the same, where they will show the HLG signals that BBC iPlayer are putting out. Now, I don't know whether or not you'll have to watch it through the BBC iPlayer app for that, or whether you will be able to watch it through the BBC iPlayer content on Sky Q, because sometimes, I think on Wimbledon stuff, that you could just immediately access the iPlayer 4K footage without having to go into the iPlayer app. Yeah, is it, yeah, because they, they've obviously, when the BBC have experimented with H, HLG before, they've obviously done that through the, the through the iPlayer app as such, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. So, so it you know, it all makes sense that it will be there, and uh, and it certainly will kick off. For me, I'm actually mildly more excited about um, HDR being added to movie Sky Cinema movies, um, and the potential of then Sky Store adding HDR to its 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 um, content. Because what the one thing that actually stops me buying from Sky Store right now onto the Sky Q box in favour of, say, buying through Google, uh, Amazon and Rakuten is that you don't get the HDR. Yeah, absolutely. I've noticed that as well, that, that actually that I feel like I would be better off buying it from another another source because of that, yeah. So, you know, and yet it's the same price. So um, I'm always been more keen. And I wonder also if, like Apple, they'll suddenly upgrade the, the content that people have already bought if there's a HDR now added to it. That would be good, wouldn't it? All the caveats aside, though, this has got to be a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it's also coming to, the, you know, we Sky have always made a big thing about being a one Sky Q being a one-stop shop for all the TV that you could possibly want. Um, and Disney Plus and Netflix are also going to get HDR support, aren't they? Um, we don't quite know how that's going to work out, but um, it, that that is that's definitely coming as well, isn't it? Yeah, and that also makes those two services be- uh, worthwhile of uh, uh, integrating within the SkyQ platform and actually watching from the SkyQ platform rather than using, say, the apps on your TV that already have HDR. Yeah, that is going to be a big benefit, isn't it? That is going to be a big benefit of, of doing it that way and actually, all you know, I guess from Sky's perspective, ordering those services through Sky as opposed to, uh, you know, just, yeah, like you say, ordering it separately and using the app on your TV. Then it makes it a very compelling offer because at the, at the same time, Netflix and Disney Plus content being integrated into the uh, menu system is actually a really good thing. Yeah, I think I think you know as as the as the Sky Nature stuff takes off, I think that could be really you know great showcase for for it on Sky as well. And um, and they they have talked about a, a, that it will be coming to some Sky originals, and I think if they if they get the sort of pitch of those those series right. Um, you know, in terms of uh, introducing people to to HDR content, I think that that's quite compelling as well. Fantastic, thanks, Dan. And uh, if you are interested in more on Sky HDR, do visit pocket-lint.com because we have plenty of details about it and how to actually get it onto your box and whether your box is compatible. Still to come, we look at the Sony ZV-1 camera, a compact design primarily for vlogger use, with its feature set ideal for those looking to record clips to post online. Yeah, it looks like a stills camera, but actually when Sony released this and they designed it, they say they've, they've built it from the ground up to be a camera for creators and vloggers specifically. Now though, 
with the Sonus Arc Dolby Atmos soundbar due to hit stores on 10th of June, I recently had the great pleasure to talk with well-renowned music producer Charles Martin. As well as being Sonus's sound experience leader, Martin superbly crafted Dolby Atmos mixes of several original Beatles albums as originally produced by his father, and served as musical director for the excellent Elton John biopic Rocket Man. We discussed Dolby Atmos and surround sound audio in general, plus the Sonos Arc specifically. I hope you find what he had to say as fascinating as I. Hi Giles, let's start with your role at Sonos and your part in helping craft the sound signature of Sonos products. What would you say categorises their sound experience? Well, I think the key thing is for any product, any product that makes noise is to have no character at all, is to, is to be a clear window on the world of sound. So at Sonos, we try and be as honest as possible. Um, there's no sort of installation of, of you know, a Sonos sound per se. It really is, you know, we do checks and balances with artists and creators just to make sure that all the music we play and all the film and TV playback is, is how it should be. Um, you know, untainted by, you know, extra bass or extra high frequencies. Um, and that's kind of it, really. So you'd prefer a, uh, a neutral sound to products generally or, or just on Sonos products? Uh, yeah, I prefer a neutral sound of products because you never know what you're going to be listening to. It's funny, we, we, you know, we think about this and there's, there's technology in place now where you could actually uh, label a track as a rock track or a hip hop track or a classical track or, you know, whatever, and think about how the speaker would adjust to that. You know, a bit like the old days you used to get, um, you know, settings on amplifiers. I don't know if you remember, like rock and classical, etc., like that. The fact of the matter is, if you, it's so, it's so tough because if you take, say, um, a Led Zeppelin album compared to uh, uh, Queens of the Stone Age, they actually sounds like they sound different they have different textures to them you know there's not you know that's two rock tracks you know they, it's you can't and so really all you want to do is you want your speakers to recreate what the creator has done and so in the studios yeah i use um i try and use the most honest speakers as, as i can because uh i want to know what's going on and the same but if you're a music fan that you know you kind of want the same thing you don't really want to you know, you, really, you don't really want extra brightness or extra bass. You, you know, that's that should be in the track anyway. If the guy wanted, if the guy or girl wanted to put it in, yeah, I, I, I find myself with some um, sound products that they overdo one element or another and uh, don't work particularly well with different types of music. Yeah, it's a funny thing. It's a funny thing that you 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 have having no character makes something sound a bit boring. But actually, it's it's what you want a sound product to do. It's the same as you know. It's the same with TVs as well. If you think about the visual content, you really want—you don't really want your your TV to hype the image too much. You want it to be. If you're watching sports or watching a movie you love or whatever. You you want it to be as real as possible, and sound is no different. How does Dolby Atmos fit into that? Um, what do you think about Dolby Atmos, in fact, and its potential in the home generally? Well, I mean, I've been a, I've been a fan of immersive audio for a long time. I did a I did a show in Vegas called Love, a Beatles show with Certain Slayer. We have seven thousand speakers in the in the, in the room, so yeah, I'm not I'm not averse to a bit of uh, surround sound, if you like. Um, and I think what's interesting about Dolby Atmos is that it's a much better replication of what we hear in day to day life. You know, we don't listen to 
just a stereo pair of speakers or a pair of headphones. So, you know, reflections come from all around us. And we go to a gig, it's like that. Why not bring that to the home? And especially with, um, you know, with with home theater content, you go to the, you go to a movie theater. You you know, you've got surround sound. And what Dolby have done with Dolby Atmos, they've created a really efficient wrapper to recreate that immersive audio experience. And we get to the stage now, especially with Sonos, Sonos Arc, where we can then recreate that that filmic experience in the home. And so it's 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 um it's it's hugely exciting. It's hugely exciting for creators as well as 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 consumers. Um, what we can do now. How's that like the Sonos Arc? How would that lift? Uh, music track. I mean, it's fantastic for uh, a home cinema experience, for example. But when it when you're actually listening to to music, how would the immersion lift that? Well, I mean, and that's it's a it's a really good question. There's a point of confusion here because if you have a stereo source, and and we're quite careful and protective over this at Sonos. Funny enough, we we change the way the play bar works. Uh, you know, the forefather, if you like, of um, of Sonos Arc. Because um, stereo playback should be played back in stereo. Uh, the, uh, I'm always suspicious of any company that says we're going to remix the music or demix the music or create it like you've never heard it before. Because it really should be, again, going back to the honesty thing. Because what happens is if you start playing around with um, a stereo image too much, the, 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 the way the song was made collapses you can be super wide but then you'll lose focus in the center you'll lose rhythm etc etc so to play back um immersive audio you need an immersive audio track so so i'm part of universal i'm head of sound audio for universal music group and we're we're going through a program right now of creating a whole load of um dolby atmos music mixes um and in the future uh, we'll be able to stream those on sonos arc and so it's that it's that and 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 from experience it's funny you know i i i actually did the first album um the first music album um atmos mix which was beatles sergeant pepper which they played in movie theaters and the effect it's had on people is 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 profound because you feel like you're you feel like you're falling through a record and you feel you can feel like you're in the room with a band um you know, as I say, you have a just live performance. If you can, if you can have the reflections of the wall around you where the person's singing, and you feel like you're, you can feel much closer to the artist. Can you see music um, actually being recorded in Dolby Atmos in the future? Well, that's a that that <laughs> it's it's that's a, it's a. I always find that an interesting question because we record kind of. You don't really record in Dolby Atmos. You, you'd you record. Um, you record the room, for instance, and so if you think about, you know, and, and please shoot me if I'm boring you, but if you if you think about immersive audio being um, a center left and right, and then height channels and rear channels around you, it depends on the artist. Um, if you if you just have a singer songwriter and you want to get the Dolby the Dolby Atmos feel, you'll obviously have a microphone on there, voice and microphone on the guitar, say, and then you'll probably mic up the room. And then put those reflections of the walls of the room in the side and the rear speakers and the height. If you're doing an EDM track where you've got loads of synths and stuff, you'll probably have that spinning around your head and doing crazy stuff. So you'll kind of, you'll kind of, by nature of recording, I mean, for instance, I'm right now mixing the Beatles Let It Be album, which is an eight track album in Dolby Atmos. Now that wasn't recorded in Dolby Atmos, but you can make it a, an immersive playback. So you don't necessarily have to record in Dolby Atmos. And it's not really a, you know, you, you just record a number of tracks and decide where they're going to go. Um, 
uh, immersion is a big thing in uh, in the world of music playback in in the respect that uh, I remember my father spent an absolute fortune on equipment to actually feel like he's in the room uh, while the music was being played. Um, so the fact that we can now have something like the Sonos Arc do that for a lot less money, um, do you think that's a great thing? Yeah, I do. I think it's and, – and, you know, we do a – of course. Uh, you know, the, listen, um, I did – I did the the Beatles Love album, which was based on that show, um, was a five one album, and I made I made it Abbey Road in two thousand and I think it was two thousand and six, something like that. And I remember thinking, this is the future of audio. And I had a, a setup in Abbey Road, these huge, you know, massive stack speakers, five a five one system, and it's I think it's still it's still the biggest selling surround album. But I could never play it back anywhere. I could never have a system that played it back to how I remember it. And I think what's exciting, and not just with Sonos, but other companies as well, are investing time and money and expertise in creating single box solutions or single box plus rears and sub that can recreate that immersion and recreate that sound. And I think that it, listen, we live in a world where music is everywhere. Um, Sound is everywhere. You know, you can have all the music in the world on your phone and attach yourself to it whenever you like. I think we sometimes that's that can reduce it can numb us from the engagement from the passion. And uh, you know there's that there's expressions like lean in and listening and lean out listening. And I think that what immersion does is it really brings you into brings you close to the artist and that's the appeal. And if you can do that in single box 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 solutions like we have done with Sonos Arc, you know, it really it really it really draws the listener in it's exciting um and we do spend a lot of time i mean it, very careful because as you know funny enough immersive audio can go wrong very quickly it can be worse than mono um actually mono is pretty good but it but you know y- you can you can you can you can get it wrong and, and not replicate things right and we spend a lot of time with artists and creators um checking checking you know i we were in la actually with a whole lot of film guys that you know if even the guy who mixed altered carbon for netflix or or the the guys who worked on game of thrones and we play them back a scene from game of thrones they'd choose and say does it sound like this it's as simple as that and if it didn't we'd change it and we can change it on the spot um the other thing about immersive audio in this respect is that do you think it's actually going to bring people back to the old-fashioned art of sitting in, sitting down and listening to music. You were mentioning that streaming on phones and it possibly takes a little bit of the emotive nature of music away from it, in my opinion. Um, but the um, the actual sitting down in front of a stereo pair of speakers in the old days, it, it was something that I, I savoured and a lot of people did. Nowadays, music's almost just played in the background in people's lives. Do you think that people will thanks to new technologies, sit down and actually listen? I think that, I think people do, li- I think people do listen. I think it's, it's easy for us sometimes, you know, I'm, God, I'm 50 now and it's easy for me to go, it's not like it was in my day. I think, you know, I was, I was one of the Walkman generation, I suppose, where you'd really listen to, you'd have a cassette and you'd listen to a song over and over again. Um, I think that, I think what I think so people do do engage or you know with music on their headphones or whatever but I think what's what's stopped is as you say is people listening together listening out loud together and I think what immersive audio does 
is it adds nuances and you hear new things and and it's exciting and so it's a it, and music is a sh- music is a shared experience. It's, you know, like most things in life. You know, here we are talking about and talking about this in lockdown. But you know, one thing we miss in lockdown is shared experiences. And music is listening out loud to music is a, is a shared experience. That's the great thing about Sonos is that it it changes things. And I think it will do. I think I think you're going to be initially. It's a bit like the, the dawn of CD. Initially, I think you know there'll be limited t- titles, and this is why. You know, with Sonos Arc, we're going to make sure we get the streaming right before we before we launch on Sonos Arc. But with, with limited titles, um, you're going to be the, the, the sort of showcase record. I was listening to uh, the Amazon Studio speakers yesterday, and they had Bridge Over, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Then they had the Weekend track, and they had and there's this like glimpses of of some really good mixes. Actually, I had to check a a Paul you know Paul Weller album. Um, you know, that's coming out and I hear all this stuff because of my job through universal. You hear all this great music coming through. It's really exciting how suddenly there's this sort of upstream from the consumer. I can see this sort of wave of artists, producers and creators beginning to create immersive audio that's going to be delivered to your home. And, um, through products like Sonos Arc, it'd be really exciting to listen to as well as don't forget, the way that you know we now have sports and Netflix and you know I think I think all Sky Sports is becoming you know they they're, they're doing Dolby Atmos now all Amazon Prime is Dolby Atmos you know it's 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 the listening in the home is no you know is, it will be better than it's ever been. Do you think actually streaming has helped that because what would previously be a niche purchase like a, a surround sound audio disc um, is now going to be delivered and very accessible. Yeah, and I think that's hugely appealing. I think that people, um, I think I, 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 I'm a strong believer that people shouldn't really notice, or, 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 it's it's a bit like, um, you know, what's a good analogy for it? People shouldn't really, you know, I'm I'm happy for all the work we do to be taken for granted. To be honest with you, I'd much rather that if someone had a favorite piece of music or a favorite film, or and we could create something that made them enjoy that more without knowing what it was then you know that's you know that's 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 the job done it's funny uh my 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 mum is 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 in her 90s now but my my dad passed away when i was working on the summer's play base and i had the only one in the country um at that time and i was tweaking it and working on it and because i went to go look after my mum i put it under her tv and to this day, she's never given it back. And yeah. it's, not it's not something that she'd ever want. Uh, she's now asked me for a Sonos Arc, and she's ninety-one. I'm going, no, you can't. You know, you've got to play. You've got. To. I mean, she's actually got two play bases now in her, in her home. She's got one in her bedroom, one. In her, uh, but it's made. It's funny for someone like that. It's made such a difference to her life. You know, there's no way she was going to pass it back, and she would never. You know, she's not. She she wouldn't be our profile consumer for a Sonos products. But that's a good thing. It's like, you know, I love the idea of of people putting something in their home and it improves it improves things. It's not just a gimmick. You know, it just disappears. They take it for granted. And that's the whole point about great sound is that you should just you should just expect it. And so we come to our weekly review. This time we look at Sony's compact camera for vloggers with our contributing editor and video specialist Cam Bunton joining me to tell us what he thinks of the device and whether it is worth considering in favour of an interchangeable lens alternative. 
So Cam, tell us all about the Sony ZV-1. Um, it's, it looks like a stills camera. It's not got interchangeable lenses, but you rather like it. Yeah, it looks like a stills camera, but actually when Sony released this and they designed it, they say they've they've built it from the ground up to be a camera for creators and vloggers specifically. So while it can obviously take still photos, it's got a good uh, one-inch sensor. Um, it's actually been designed, everything about it is is primed for video and for talking to camera and for recording yourself. Um, is that a big market now, do you think, the vlogger market? I feel like it's a growing market. I haven't specifically looked at the numbers, but I mean, there's a lot of video creators out there. Specifically, you've got this generation of TikTokers and some of them are becoming quite professional in what they're doing and, and living in these big houses together. But the uh, the advantage of using uh, the Sony camera, obviously, is that it's going to be much better than the visuals you're going to get from the front-facing camera on your smartphone. Uh, it's also going to record clearer audio because they've put in a three capsule mic on the top that records really clear audio so when you're talking to the camera your voice gets picked up really well it doesn't sound flat and sterile it just sounds good and it's all in this neat little compact package i mean some cameras come out with um flippable screens on the rear um but this one really seems to move around quite a bit it's it's quite versatile isn't it yeah, this isn't something that Sony's really done much of in the past. Obviously, they've done video cameras before. A lot of professional YouTubers or at least amateur videographers will use a Sony camera because they do make great video cameras like the um, the Alpha 7 series or the A7R, A7S, all those cameras. But what they have never done is put this front for this front-facing screen on a camera without it going over the top of the camera and being blocked by whatever microphone or unit you might have mounted onto the top so with this screen that comes out to the side a bit more like panasonic's cameras you can obviously see yourself on the screen without blocking access to the hot shoe without covering over the mics Um, and so it's it's a much more user-friendly approach to this flip out screen i mean you you um record an awful lot of the video that we put on pocket lint um uh, so you're you're very, very experienced with uh, recording video on multiple cameras. Where does this compare? Is this is this up to the job, specifically in 4K, I would imagine? Yeah, it shoots 4K. I mean, that's the amazing thing about it is that it, a lot of what it's done and what, a lot of how it's been designed has been designed to make capturing really good audio, uh, really good video, sorry, really easy. So you've got things like automatic uh, facial and eye recognition and also it sets the exposure of the entire video shot to your face so if you walk if you're walking and talking to the camera and you walk through a shadowy area or you've got bright backlight that you can't control um, it'll adjust everything on the scene so that your face still looks good in the shot and that's that's an important feature Um, but at the same time you get an access to pro level tools like being able to shoot Uh, in various picture profile settings. So if you want to color grade it afterwards in your edit suite, you can. If you want to plug in an external microphone because you want even better audio, you can. If you want to shoot in HLD, uh, HLG, sorry, hybrid log gamma, you can. So it has all these professional tools built into a tiny little camera that's also really easy to use. It's sort of like a, a best of both worlds. So while I might not use it as a primary camera, if I was going out and about shooting and I needed something compact that would fit in my pocket, 
and add a bit of extra B-roll footage to something I was working on, then this is a great little tool for doing that. So Sony makes an awful lot of uh, mirrorless interchangeable lens cameras, um, specifically in a compact size with the Alpha series. Where does this kind of compare with those? Because it's not cheap. It's not cheap, but at the same time, it's not as expensive as some of the Alpha series. So this is about £700, uh, which kind of sits at the bottom of the pile when it comes to price, comparing it to like the RX100 series, which again doesn't have an interchangeable lens. Um, and I think the Alpha series start at about £1,500. They can go all the way up to about 3000 uh, So it is cheaper. It's not cheap, like you say, but it sort of sits in that sort of the bottom ladder I don't think it's ever designed to be a replacement for those. It's It really is like a purpose-designed vlogging camera because even the zoom on it only goes up to about 2.7 times zoom. So it really is just designed to capture something at arm's length, i.e. you and your face when you're talking to camera. Um, so as a, a videographer yourself, would you recommend this camera? Yeah, I would recommend it. I mean, it's not perfect. The battery life, as with pretty much every Sony camera, isn't great when it comes to recording video. It dies fairly quickly, so you do need to maybe think about buying a spare battery. And it would never be my primary camera, but I would recommend using it if you're wanting to do more vlogging, if you want to record yourself to camera, if you want something that's really portable and light, that records really good quality audio and video. Um, it is. It really is a great tool. It's just whether it fits your particular needs of what you want, because it, it, I think it is quite a niche product in that sense. And that's it for this week's podcast. I hope you found it enjoyable, even illuminating at times. If so, please leave a review on your listening platform of choice. For now, I've been Rick Henderson, and I hope you'll join us for the next podcast where we'll have another packed lineup of guests and tech for you. Keep safe and well, and we'll catch up with you soon. Toodle pip.